what's going on? Hey, man. For those keeping score at home, I'm Sanders. He's Liv. We are two sorry excuses. Thanks for downloading this 32nd edition of the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. How's that for, for a professional? That's good. Smooth. I mean, that's, you know what I always remember about the number 32? What's that? A prereq to kindergarten graduation. I assume it was a prereq because we had to perform it at the graduation ceremony. It was a song about our teeth. And it went 32, 32, 32 for me and you. Yeah, I'm sure it had some other lines, but that's what I remember because apparently we have 32 teeth. Uh, everybody's got 32 teeth? Uh, I imagine you're technically supposed to have 32 teeth, I met, but if you have wisdom teeth pulled or, or if you crack half a tooth like me, I guess you have 31 and a half. I don't know. It, what tooth do you have cracked? It's one of the two front teeth. Happened freshman year in Brewster Bowl, and I was all drunk one night. You have a cap or something on it? They they like did this bonding thing. It looks like just another tooth. The only time you can really tell is if I'm hanging out in blacklight, and those days are over. <laughs> uh, you know what I remember uh, of thirty two? What's that? Former Syracuse star Stephen Thompson. Ah, Stevie Thompson. Jump out of the gym, Stevie Thompson. Yeah. Do we um? We retire it, basketball it, numbers. Does, Syracuse, does Syracuse retire basketball numbers? I don't think they do. I mean, there was a whole controversy over when they retired the forty-four for football. I think they just put names up. I don't think they technically retire the numbers. Okay. He's got to be up there in whatever we call it, the Ring of what? Fame. Is he? He's the coach of, like, Cal State LA or something like that. Um, you know, they come – They occasionally they come and play – in the past, like, decade. On a couple occasions, they came there and played exhibition games against Syracuse. And I believe he was the coach, and that was why they were coming and playing the exhibition games against us. He was. He is. Still yeah, is. You're looking that up right now, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Still is. Also a member of the men's basketball all-century team. Hmm. Distinguished alumni. Distinguished he used alumni. To still be, I mean, he wasn't playing anymore when I got there, but I know he was still hanging around there playing pickup games in Archibald's gymnasium because I remember some guys, you know, on my floor went out there to play, and Stevie Thompson was – and. Him and some other orange luminaries who didn't have much to do other than hang around the campus. Uh, I'd imagine Conrad McRae was probably on that uh, on that pickup team. Yeah, possibly. You know, and they were out there making these guys look foolish or or making them look really good because I think they would like uh, they would blend the teams. You know, put uh, put a regular schmo. With, like, a couple of Syracuse greats, just, you know, because you can't be a total dick. I think the big intramural get of my day was um, either sophomore or junior year, probably junior year, when um, when you can go out and become, like, an independent intramural yeah. team. Uh, otherwise, you play, you know, you play on your floor. Um, but... There was a basketball team, and we had some basketball players in our crew. Uh, Reardon was a was a, a point guard in high school. Uh, Coopy played in high school. Um, Doug Trebu, friend of uh, friend of Two Sorry Excuses, friend yeah. of Eleven O Six. Doug Trebu uh, was a big basketball player, and he had this roommate TJ, who was an all world volleyball player in high school, um, huh. kind of all state. He, like just the best athlete I'd ever seen, and he was a phenomenal basketball player. So we were pretty decent. Um, I say we because I accompanied the team um, and made substitutions because the egos were so big that they would refuse to sub in and out for each other. So um, yeah. they put that on me. I'm a horrible basketball player. But uh, we were in the same division as a team called uh, the Black Panthers. You know what? You'd... Let me stop you real quick. Yeah. Because I was going to go on about the Black Panthers. Because they existed even when I was a junior and a senior. 
I don't know what the hell the Black Panthers were, but they dominated intramurals at all levels. Uh, Donovan McNabb was the featured uh, Black yeah. Panther. It was after he had quit the basketball team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, had every right to play intramural, uh, intramural basketball. And we just stood there and our jaws dropped <laughs> while they were dunking in warm up lines. Yeah. It was incredible. So this was like. You know, this is ninety three, ninety four. So this is just on the on the cusp of the Fab Five. Um, well, McNabb wasn't playing on them in ninety three, ninety four. Um, ninety four, ninety five. Then he he was my year. So he was. There must have been. He only played basketball for how many years? He was on the Final Four team in ninety six. He only played first two years. He was there for five years. He played his red shirt year, and then he played his red shirt freshman year, I believe. So it must. So you're just making shit up? No, 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 no. He was on this team. <laughs> he was on the team. He was. He no, was... I believe you that he was on the team. He, but but I didn't know the Black Panthers were a dominant force. They must have been like it must have been like a program. I don't know what the hell the Black Panthers were. Yeah, either do I. But they were a black fraternity team or something. Um. No, or else they would have played in the. In... Because even when, even through all the years I was there, because I remember like junior or senior year, it might have been my junior year, my third year, going out. They even had like a good football team because I remember going to play on this uh, flag football team with uh, with Scalisi because they need some people to fill in, and we went out and. They were the dominant team, but they were legendary across campus for their dominance of intramural basketball. Though they, um, I, I don't think they were a fraternity because they would have been. They probably would have played in the fraternity division and dominated that. Yeah, I don't know what they were, but they were awesome. They were dunking in warm up lines. We were down like twenty one to three in the first three minutes Damn. of the game. We just called the timeout. I and think one of the walk ons might have come for. Do you remember a guy named Alimu Nelson, maybe? He was like a walk-on, I think, on the 96 team. Okay. I think he might have been alum of the Black Panthers basketball team. It's very possible, man. They were that good. Yeah, they were so good. I think he might have been. Because I remember, I, I seem to recall the idea like, oh, that guy was on that team, and now he's, and, they, and they let him on the actual team. Because they were just ridiculous. No one could beat them. No. No. It, I don't know what kind of system that they had that they were always, you know, I mean, these guys can't enroll for 10 years, you know? They must have been replacing these guys. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It was kind of, it was probably like a rite of passage. I'm sure they had like a JV team or something like that. Yeah. Like that's how know. good they were. Yeah. I I would like to, uh, I would like to learn about the history of the Black Panthers intramural basketball team. Maybe they're still up there dominating shit. <laughs> you know, their children are now up there running game. Uh, let's see. Well, they can't be. Uh, they can't be too popular. There's no. Uh, I Google Black Panther Syracuse intramurals, and nothing comes up. So yeah, I guess that was and, also and before the, the internet. There, like before the internet, before all that stuff made it onto the internet. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. But it is funny because I was before you said that I thought you were going to talk about somebody else because I, I, I couldn't imagine that it was the same team. I was going to be like, oh man, they had this team when I was there named the Black Panthers. Yeah, they must have just passed it down, uh, much like eleven oh six. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Too bad eleven oh six. All we had was, you know, the only connection to good basketball we really had. Besides Koopy and Reardon and <laughs> <laughs> was our old slumlord <laughs> landlord. <laughs> Hall of Famer yeah. Dolph Shays. Yep, Dolph Shays. Ah, uh, good times, so, um, man. So uh you know, before the day went to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point everybody knows the everybody knows the the uh, standard operating procedure of two sorry excuses. Sometime around eight o'clock, I text Liv and say, uh, "Hey, are we cool? Where are you? Did you get your snow cone today?" 
<laughs> snowball. Snowball today. <laughs> and then he texts back and says, yep, I got to eat some gumbo. I got to press my seersucker, but I'll be ready to go. Um, but today you were a little MIA. I was getting a little nervous because usually by that point in the evening I, uh, I've caught up with you. But um, what, what, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, it didn't start out terrible. I mean, for the last, like, two months, you know, I've been trying to save my... It went from mildly aggravating to downright friggin' awful today. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, like, I've been making my own lunch and bringing it to work, trying to save money, you know, because lunch is just a big friggin' money pit. Yeah, in, the, in New York City, you drop... You know, twelve bucks on on each meal. You you you're down twenty five dollars. It's like a deal. You know, I'm yeah. surprised you can get away with it for twelve bucks in New York. You right, know, right? Yeah, it, but basically that's the issue. It's ten to twenty dollars every time. You know, and it's like, man, I'm spending ten to twenty dollars five days a week for what lunch? It's not like I'm enjoying it. You know, right? It's not like you still got to go back to the office. So I was like, I'm gonna start making lunch so I can save the money. You know, I was like, I'll try to do at least three days a week, and then it's become four days a week, with my caveat being that I'll always go and pay for my lunch on Friday or whatever, because it's the end of the week. Screw it. It's like pizza day when you were in school. Yeah. Yeah, it's my little treat to myself. Hey, you earned it. Yep. Well, yesterday, last night, Jacob, because it's really screwed him up. (laughs) Jacob's your lunch buddy. Yes, and it's really screwed him up because he doesn't like to make lunch and he doesn't care about paying for lunch because, you know, he can easily afford it, you know? Right. So sometimes he'll he'll be like, I'll, I'll even have my lunch. He'll be like, come on, I'll buy lunch. <laughs> and I'm so not going to fight him over that, you know? So then you turn into Wednesday's child. Yeah. But I always have my lunch. I'm like, you don't need to buy me lunch. But last night he texted me. He's like, he's like, I forgot I have a deposition Friday. Uh, can we go to lunch tomorrow? Because his deposition on Friday is like at 1 o'clock, which means he's not going to be around during the lunch hour. All right. So I'm like, yeah, we'll go to lunch. That's fine. So I go in office this morning. I didn't pack a lunch or anything, you know, because we're going to go to lunch today. He's like, sorry, man. Uh, got a call from his godfather slash client. It's like he wants to go to lunch, so I can't go to lunch with you. I'm like, motherfucker. You know? So now I'm going to have to buy my lunch today. So that was kind of annoying. So I did all the work I needed to do. And I had to go. um, I have a client whose father died and he left a will. He lived in this country ass town friggin' about an hour, 15, hour, 20 minutes north of New Orleans, you know? Okay. And so I had to go out there, and I was going to get, uh, I was going to probate the will and get the, uh, what they call letters testamentary. Letters basically saying she's the executrix of the will, you know, and she can go handle his bank account or whatever he needs to do and, and distribute the estate, you know? Yep. The legacies. So I, so I go around one o'clock, I get, you know, I'm like, because I knew they were going to close it before. Uh, but I had other shit to do. So at 1 o'clock I go. I get my lunch. Go to the Chicken Fingers place and get a friggin' thing of Chicken Fingers for lunch, you know? Not exactly like, you know, I, I think I would have rather just saved the 7 or 8 bucks and ate the sandwich and cheese its I usually eat, you know? Right. But whatever, I ate the Chicken Fingers. I drive up the... Friggin' Tangipahoa, Paris, Louisiana, to a meet Louisiana. Friggin' hick-ass country town. And I go in there into the clerk's office. I'm like, I gotta file this succession. Probate this will, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, is the duty judge around? They're like, probably not. Uh, uh, the air condition in the courthouse is busted. They've been out all week. <laughs> I'm like, there's no duty judge. Uh, and it's like one of these, um, it's so rural that it's a consolidated court, you know, like, you know, like in New Orleans, you, the the state courts, you know, New Orleans has, Orleans Parish has its own court, the civil district court, you know, it's all within the state. And Jefferson Parish, where I live, has its own 
court, the 24th Judicial District Court. That's just for Jefferson Parish because there's so many people down here. Right. But these hick courts, you know, when they're very rural, they'll combine three parishes. And for you people not knowing what that is, counties <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere, you know, they'll combine three parishes into one court, you know. So this one has one in Tangipo, it's the 21st, and they got one Livingston Parish and one in some other bumfuck parish. Uh, and she's like, well, uh, no, but uh, we can find out who it's allotted to, and then maybe we can send it over to call the judge in Livingston Parish, and if he says it's okay, the judge here can sign it, but she's not here right now. <laughs> I'm like, well, that does me no good. You know, like you can wait around like it's 3 o'clock. Right. You know, close at four. They're not coming back, whoever's not there. Right, right. And she's like, well, you can call back. Call me tomorrow. And I'm like, fuck, I'm going to have to come back here again. <laughs> you know, like on Monday. Because I was like, I could wait for them to file it and ask for them to mail it to me. But that's never happening. And it's not going to happen soon enough for, for my liking or the client's liking, you know? Right. So I get in the car, I'm driving back, and that fucking sucked because I'm going to have to take another three-hour round trip up that way next week, which, you know, just for, today was a nice day because humidity's been low. You know, so I'm driving around with the windows down. Oh, let me just interject because this is one something I wanted to talk about before my day went to shit. <laughs> uh. One thing that bothers me, this city is overrun with panhandlers now more than it's ever been before in my lifetime. Okay. You know, they're like every intersection, every stoplight, everywhere now, you know? I mean, I'm sure you must see it where you are. I think it's bursting out of control all over the country. Yep. People with their little cardboard signs. The biggest problem is they're such fucking assholes. You know? Like, they're... They're very rude, and you can't drive around without the windows down without them passing commentary to you. <laughs> like, I don't fucking get it. If you're begging for money, why are you being a rude dick? So today I'm sitting there at the light. Before I'm heading out to go to Tantrapahoa, after I just ate my chicken finger sandwich, and I have the window down, and I'm waiting at the light. I'm just looking straight ahead because, you know... If I turned and looked at everyone and gave them a dollar, I would distribute $50 a day, you know? It's right. impossible. Right, right, right. They're everywhere. And this guy starts yelling at me. He's like, oh, you're probably one of those people who thinks, who, who says I should go get a job. Well, I'm 67 and no one will hire me. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, not with that attitude, they wouldn't. <laughs> That's all unsolicited? Yeah, but I'm like... If you're trying to make me feel sorry for you, you're not really doing a good job. You know, I was like, all right, here's a dollar. Thanks for berating me, asshole. <laughs> Thanks for assuming what's, what thoughts are gone through my head. Of course no one's going to hire you. You're a fucking insane drug addict. <laughs> I know that. I'm not stupid. I just don't. And you have, you currently do have a job. Your job is panhandling. I just don't choose to take advantage of your services, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course. Don't make me feel bad. I wouldn't hire you to fucking, you know, water my lawn. You know, it's... <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not shocked that no one will hire you, but it, it kills me. But there's been other times where it's like other guys sit there and say shit to me. And it's just like, really? I got to drive around everywhere with the windows up just because the homeless people are assholes. You know, not all of them, but there's enough of them sitting at the red lights. You know, it's just like, you know, if you're going to if you're gonna sit there begging for money. You should be kissing my ass or something, you know? <laughs> well, this is funny because maybe I set this all in motion because I never understood the concept of panhandling in Syracuse. And it wasn't as bad, uh, especially up on Marshall Street or, or up on the hill. But you'd still have folks panhandling. And most yep. famously, you'd have Eli, um, yep. you know, playing his guitar, singing his songs. And they'd be out there in the dead of winter. And I always thought... That if I was a panhandler, that I would take my earnings for whatever my period was and just earn enough for a bus ticket to Jersey. 
and then panhandle in Jersey until I'd have enough for a ticket to Washington, D.C., and eventually work myself to the south where it was warm. Yeah. All year round, and then I could pursue my panhandling career. So uh, maybe they took me up on my idea because, you know, logistically, it's a pretty smart it's a pretty smart move. Yeah. I mean, well, one reason they're on the college campus is because it's full of idealistic, stupid college kids. <laughs> We'd freely hand over uh, money to them, you know? Uh, true, true. It's true. Uh, but it's funny how you say that, talking about getting to warmer climates, because I remember years ago, you know, probably 20-plus years ago now, I saw that guy, what's his name, like John Paul DiGiorgio or whatever, the guy who was Paul Mitchell's business partner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like Patron, you know, with the beard and the long hair. And he was on one of those Lifestyles Rich and Famouses, and he was talking about how he was homeless. And he got enough money and bought a plane ticket to Hawaii because he figured if he was going to be homeless, he might as well be homeless in Hawaii. There you go. You know, it's this. it, it makes perfect sense. I don't understand why homeless people are homeless in these cities, but, but I understand why the homeless people are homeless in Cambridge and Boston. There's lots of college kids and guilty liberals dying to dole out cash to those people. <laughs> uh, there really are, you know? It's Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that happened with the homeless guy, so that kind of that kind of annoyed me, but that was just going to be something to talk about, like a funny thing I find about the panhandlers. <laughs> you know? Uh, I will tell you the one time I actually felt enthusiastic to give the panhandlers any money. It was like in 2012 when those guys gave me my bonus check, you know? And it was it was a huge bonus check, you know? Like a, five figures. Right. I'll just leave it at that. But it was more money than I'd ever been handed at once. Okay. So I felt really good. So I came to the corner, came to the light, and the homeless guy was there. I was like, yeah, fuck it, and gave him a couple of bills. <laughs> <laughs> While you were lighting your cigar with 100? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but I haven't had any days like that since, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I felt guilty. I, you know, I was like, yeah, I should give this guy some money. You know, as you're heading to the bank to deposit your your huge check, you know. Uh, so anyway, I'm coming back from Tangipahoa Parish after all this bullshit goes down. And at this point, I'm probably like five minutes away from my Five, maybe ten minutes because of the traffic from my office on the interstate. And it comes... Right to a dead stop on the interstate, you know, about a mile away from where I had to get off. Uh, about a mile from where I was going to get off to head to my office. And I'm all the way in the left lane. And uh, there's a middle exit there all the way to the right that takes you down to the Superdome and all that shit. Well, I stop and then like two seconds later, BAM! Someone rear-ends into me. Oh, no. Yeah. And I'm like, motherfucker, just pissed that I'm going to have to deal with this. So I'm like pulling the car. I'm like, fuck, and I have to stop and deal with all this. Putting the hazards, you know, ready to put on the hazards and stop. And before I can even react, I had my windows down because the weather was nice. A car pulls up next to me, and I turn around, and... There's a girl with like a shower cap in the back seat yelling some shit out at me at the window. I don't know why I'm the asshole. You just rear into me on the interstate, you moron. <laughs> when I was stopped, when I was at a dead stop. And then they start flying, speeding away. A hit and run? They start, yes, they start driving like fucking they're in the Indianapolis 500 or some shit. And I'm like, fuck, I got to go try to chase them, hoping I can get their license plate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tried to chase them down, but they were going so damn fast, weaving in and out of traffic, you know, and I couldn't just... Uh, so I, I I wasn't able to get my phone, the camera, to take a picture because they were going too damn fast. They went down by the Superdome exit, and they weaved around, and then they turned, and I think they got back on the interstate. Like, they took a left to get to to go back on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, fuck it, I can't, you know, I was caught in traffic, and I, and I just pulled into 
this little um, area where there was like a Subway restaurant, a cash check-in place, you know, and I called 911 and told the cops, and they came out there, and I filled out the report, but it really fucking pissed me off. Oh, man. It, it seemed to be a brand new Infinity with a temporary plate, but unfortunately I couldn't get the plate number, you know. If I would have had somebody in the car with me, you know, it would have helped. Yeah. But uh, there's nothing they're going to... There's nothing they can do about it. Assholes probably didn't have insurance, yet they're driving a brand new fucking car. You know, which is very New Orleans. Uh, See, that's really funny. Not that that happened, but I was just thinking to myself today. I, I certainly didn't have a, uh, a bad day like that. And, and for the most part, I actually had a pretty good day because a lot of excitement in Asbury Park today. But I was um, driving to run an errand. I needed to get to the bank before it closed. Yeah. And... Uh, it was um, 7.40, bank closed at 8, and I'm cutting through the other side of town um, because I'm going to take the back entrance into the shopping complex. Yeah. Otherwise, you got to go up. It's New Jersey, so you got to take a jug handle, and you know it's, it's summertime, so that part... Uh, of town it's got a lot of traffic i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna go the local road and i'm gonna cut around save myself some time but that part of town is not only the bad part of town it's uh, it's totally inhabited by foot traffic and there's no there's no pedestrian etiquette now i understand that that pedestrians have the right of way at least in new jersey and yeah. Um, this being a beach town, you kind of a, you, you you kind of resign yourself to that fact. But the major areas where there's a ton of foot traffic, they have signs in the middle of the street that says "Yield to pedestrians." Yeah, which is nice because it lets everybody know exactly what the 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 required course of events are. If you yeah. step into that crosswalk, I'm going to stop if I'm a driver. But in the neighborhoods, there's no um, street signs. Uh, there's no crosswalks there's no etiquette and people cross on greens people cross in the middle of the street people step off the curb right in front of you and it's it's i think it's partly an entitlement issue i think a little bit of it is almost like um public assistance lottery kind of deal you know i got nothing to lose because if i step off the curb and i get hit by a car well, then I'm going to collect some type of disability or, or, you know, or unemployment. And, you know, people kind of play fast and loose in, you know, in those settings. Yeah. Um, and I was getting really frustrated. And every once in a while that happens and I can't, you know, I can't talk myself, you know, I can't pump myself up out of it. You know, like, hey, here's the good, here's the good stuff. You know, oh, here are the upside of living in Asbury, blah, blah, blah. Every once in a while, I'm just like, fuck it, man. I've had enough of this shit. And I was like, you know who doesn't, you know who never uh, probably has enough of it? Liv. You know, <laughs> he's got such New Orleans pride that he's just probably like, well, it's New Orleans, man. What else are you going to do? It is, but it still pisses you off. Yeah, so it's I nice. Mean, we have high insurance rates here. My insurance isn't that bad, but insurance rates here are higher than they should be because of all the motherfuckers without insurance driving around here. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's 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 flagrant. And I told the cop, I'm like, I, I imagine they didn't have insurance. You know, I was like, I, I quit giving up the chase because what am I going to do, risk my life and risk somebody else's life to catch somebody to maybe catch somebody. And this is like during rush hour traffic. This happened like all between 410 and 415, you know? Right. And to, to go catch somebody who probably doesn't have insurance, you know? And he's like, well, I don't know. Maybe they do have insurance. Uh, you know, he's like, I don't know why they'd run. It's like, well, obviously, I know they fucked up if they're run away, you know? Because why would you run like that? Right. You know? And he's like, yeah, that's why you have insurance. I'm like, yeah, they probably didn't have insurance. It's it pisses me off to such a degree, and they're gonna yell at me like I'm the one that fucking did something wrong. <laughs> you know, traffic was literally bumper to bumper stopped, and they hit me. You know, it's probably because they were fucking around their phone, because everybody's always fucking around on their phones. You know? Yeah, it's a it's a like an epidemic. Yeah, I'm sure they were talk. Whoever was driving was talking on the phone or whatever. 
But it just blows me away. You just bang into somebody in interstate and you just flee. You know, it's just like, what kind of fucked up person are you? And yell at you to boot. Yeah. I mean, that's a fucking criminal. Because what they did is a crime. Right. You know? Right. They probably don't think they're criminals, but they definitely are criminals. You know? <laughs> well, so that I- fucking ruined my day because I had to sit around and wait for like 40 minutes for the cop to show up, which was actually quick in New Orleans time. You know? Right. Uh, and they asked me, you know, I called 911. It didn't even mess my car up that bad. It, it definitely has damage that I need to get dealt with. But I'm really surprised it didn't crush the bumper, but it made it, like, wet, like, the sides where it goes into the car. You yes, know, or yes, like, yes, laid yes. out now. Right. Like, the little corners of it. And the problem is I have a $500 deductible. It's probably not $500. But I'll take it to a guy and see what he says. You know? Because I don't want to be driving around looking like a bum because some motherfucker hit the back of my car, you know? Right. Yeah, but you also got to be careful because a lot of times I've been rear-ended a couple times. And uh, there's um, there can be a lot of, like, unseen frame damage. Well, that's what I'm worried about. That maybe they fucked up my frame, you know? Yeah. What kind of car is it? It's a 2007 Toyota Camry. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been rear-ended in a couple times, and there was uh, frame damage. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the hell I can do about frame damage, you know? Yeah, I, I think they can. I think they can deal with it, but uh, that sucks nonetheless. I mean, at least my, um, at least the sunroof is still gone. <laughs> still open and closing. <laughs> Well, I was worried about that because it was open. I was like, what well, if this thing doesn't close now because uh, something's fucked? Because I did have an old Saturn that had frame damage. It used to leak and shit. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, that sucks. Yeah, so I'm hoping nothing like that's gone on with it, you know? Yeah. I um I had the opposite experience with the local law enforcement today. I had a very positive uh, and engaging uh, interaction. Well, my my experience was positive. It's just that it... It, it was because of a negative thing. Yeah, yeah, but mine was mine was exciting, and I was glad it was going on. There was a uh, there was um, a perpetrator on the loose in Asbury Park today. I was uh, oh, really? yeah, I was sitting upstairs uh, on the third floor doing a little work, and I heard what was like um, you know almost like a like an accident, like something really loud. But you know that you know that tire screeching that you're sure is going to end with a huge bang yeah imagine the huge bang without the tire screeching so it was kind of weird like there was nothing to prep for it and it just kind of startled you and i looked out the window and i saw a bunch of people like coming out of their houses so from where my house is if i look out you know the third floor it's got a pretty good aerial view of the surrounding houses and and lots so like everybody's coming out like almost immediately and i'm like man i wonder what's going on and i hear some sirens going but you know that's nothing new i live so close to the police station and the fire department as loyal listeners can attest to so i go out on my front porch and literally like if I didn't have a porch and I just stepped out onto my lawn, I would have brushed shoulders with a guy running through my yard. Huh. And I'm like, wait a minute, that guy's running from something. You ever mm-hmm. see the movie Memento? No, I, I'm afraid to say I haven't seen it. All right, all right. It's a good movie, but... Um, I know it is. There's a, there's a scene where the guy with short-term memory loss is running through a parking lot and he looks over and he goes hey i'm chasing that guy what am i doing here oh i must be chasing that guy and the guy stops sees him takes a fire takes a shot at him and the guy goes oh wait a minute he might be chasing me and he turns around and he runs and so that's what it was like i was like wait a minute that guy's that guy's running away (laughs) and then i start to put two and two together and i'm like wait a minute he must have been the loud noise. He must be the reason why. Now, I've got enough time to process all this. And I'm like, I, he's like not. A car, like he ran in the traffic and a car had to like slam on its brakes to miss him. Some, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
So I'm watching him, but he's not moving very fast. And I actually thought, oh, I could get this guy. But I didn't have any shoes on. But before I could even like put all piece all this together, I look over to my left and cutting through my lawn is uh, a cop chasing him. <laughs> but imagine if I got fatter and older. I would I have been. Wanna, I and, don't want to imagine a world where you're fatter and older. <laughs> In my world, you're as fat as you are now, and you'll be forty uh, forever. Uh, <laughs> so that's that would be me chasing this guy, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god, this cop was he bald too. The cop? Yeah, he was bald too. Nice. And I'm like, this cop is gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> now I have to stay here in case I have to administer CPR to this motherfucker. <laughs> so I watched the guy go, and he goes to try to cut through my neighbor across the street's neighbor's lawn, but I know it's just a big maze of fences back there. And uh, I hear on the radio they're calling out locations of, of where he's headed, where he's going, and more cops come running through my yard. So eventually... Um, I get my sneakers on and I'm able to kind of go outside to see what's happening and I see that they kind of catch him and um, they've they've gone around the corner. I see all the police lights. So I, I don't want to be like a looky-loo, but I decide to go run an errand at this point. Yeah. I'm going to go get myself a snack. So I go out um, to the main street. I kind of look down and I see cop cars and I see the dude sitting on the curb being cuffed and, and, and processed or whatever. But they happened to do this in front of a huge apartment complex, which everybody's out on their balcony. Everybody's yeah. out in the streets. They've all got their, uh, their video cameras out and they're cat calling to the police. And I'm like, Oh man, that's kind of uh, yeah. Maybe I would record it too for posterity. Blah blah blah. But then I'm thinking, no, these guys are recording it to document any police brutality. And I just thought to myself, well, okay, I'm against police brutality on its face. I hope you are. I think it's a bad thing. Yes. However. If somebody deserves to be knocked around, it's the fleeing perpetrator. Yeah. Although once you have him, you shouldn't, and he's in cuffs. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not talking about. I mean, if he, you got knock him around, not like tackle him, tackle him, get him down. Him yeah, that's not police brutality. That's doing the job. Right. Right. And for from what I could see from the from the angle that I had and the distance that I had, which was pretty far, he was cuffed sitting yeah. on the, sitting on the curb while a bunch of officers were, you know, I don't know, not beating him, not beating him, doing whatever they were getting yeah. the, the right car to come pick him up or whatever. But, um, the crowd that assembled were just giving the cops such a hard time. I've been trying to find the story on, uh, on the local police plotter, but I, I think it's just too soon. It probably won't well, come I'm out sure till tomorrow. A, there's a a large segment of the of the population of Asbury Park that doesn't have as a positive of interactions with the police as you do. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong; I'm not an apologist. I've gotten a bullshit ticket or two, yeah, uh, in my day. Um, that you know, hey, seriously, why don't you go fight real crime? You know, like yeah. one of those kind of deals. And um, there's a, an occasional drug deal outside of my uh, outside of my house because we're we are one block in and parallel to the main street on the main artery that runs yeah. in and out of town. So it's a, it's really easy for you know for folks to kind of give a nod, drive around the corner. You know, there's a handoff, or they drop the bag and pick up the money on the next block, or do whatever. I watch why I watch the wire, so I know how it all goes down. But um, so I've called the cops a couple times, you know, non emergency number, and said, "Hey, listen, there's you know a drug deal going on," and they go, "Well, how do you know it's a drug deal?" I go, "I know it's a motherfucking drug deal. I've I've seen a drug deal before. This is a drug deal. Come, come, get here. You can arrest them right now." You're two blocks away. And they're like, we'll send an officer out, and then 
you know, 20 minutes later, I watch a patrolman drive by. The guys have nobody's around anymore. I give detailed descriptions and then nothing happens. Like, how are you supposed to clean up a town if you're not willing to go out and, you know, administer these life, you know, quality of life offenses? Well, you need like Buford Pusser, man, walking tall, running around (laughs) with his baseball bat or whatever. Clean shit up. Uh, well, that was in my head. So this is like minutes after I've had the process, and I didn't come off my porch to tackle yeah. the the perpetrator. But in my head, I did, and uh, I I kind of speared him into the retaining wall of the people who live across the street. And as he laid uh, grasping his ribs because I. I crushed them. I just stood over him and said, neighborhood watch, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, in my head, I tracked down those people in traffic today. (laughs) But instead, all really was playing through my head was this. (laughs) (laughs) If my life was a movie, this would have been playing Uh. from 5 o'clock on. Oh, that's great. I was like, motherfucker. Oh, man. What a day. Yeah. What a day. Um, well, here's the upside. It's over. Yeah, it is over. Now I need to go find the guy to bring my car to. And, you know, I'm sure he'll tell me that I got loads of frame damage or something. <laughs> yeah. Whatever will get him the the business. Right. Um. One thing I was thinking about of stupid things to talk about, uh, you know, there was the story about how I took my dad on the 4th of July to the movies and we drove around his old neighborhood. Right. So, uh, a little, uh, you know, post to that was Saturday, um... I went down there. I guess this would be the epilogue. Is that what it is? The one that comes afterwards? Yes, the epilogue. Yes, the epilogue. Uh, I go down because I had to go to a buddy's um, engagement party. So I was going to this little shop on Magazine Street. The the same street that my dad is enamored with from his youth. Right, right. Because they were selling these rocks glasses in there that I knew my buddy would like, you know. Uh and you got to give him a little gift for the engagement party, you know? <laughs> uh, so I go in there, and I'm trying to rush just to, because I know exactly what I want. I just want to go buy it. So I walk in. I see the glasses I want. I pick them up, and I walk to the counter. And there's an old man and a woman at the counter. And the old man's just going on and on about the way this street used to look and how he doesn't recognize businesses. And I'm just standing there, and then the woman walks over. She's looking at other stuff, and he has no clue that I'm standing behind him. He's not purchasing anything. He has not purchased anything. He has no plans of buying anything from this shop. He's just talking about how he doesn't recognize anything here anymore. <laughs> he's probably even a couple of years older than my dad. And then... It turns out he was with his sister, and she turns around, and she's like, whatever his name is. She's like, there's a guy behind you, and he turns around, and he's like, oh! And I was like, I was like, yeah, I heard you, man. I took my dad down here a couple of weeks ago. He grew up down the 4600 block, and then moved over there behind the, uh, on Joseph, behind the streetcar barn. Yeah, he doesn't recognize anything either. He's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't recognize anything. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. And he's like, all right. Well, good seeing you. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, the streets uptown are flooded with old people reminiscing about how much the neighborhood has changed. (laughs) (laughs) And I told the girl that was working, I'm like, I'm sorry. I was like, I didn't want to be rude. And she's like, oh, thank you that you weren't. Because I like to think when I'm that old, you know, people will be... You know, tolerant of me if I'm just telling stories. <laughs> yeah, it's like I went in there. I was like, I was like, all right, I got to do this in five minutes because I had plans, I had places to be. You know, right, right. I go and I'm like, motherfucker, this guy's sitting here telling this girl who has no choice but to stand here. Right. 
<laughs> she can't go anywhere. And he's just sitting there. Oh, the stores. <laughs> uh, so it ain't given time. There's probably at least five old men on a week on a weekday on a weekend afternoon or on a holiday just walking around that street marveling at how much has changed. <laughs> and it probably goes for everywhere. I'm sure they got old dudes walking up and down the streets of Hoboken like, what the fuck happened here? I'm sure. You know, in Brooklyn, everywhere you go. Every gentrified, uh, over-boutiqued, uh, she-she type of place where, like, Whole Foods shoppers who refuse to say excuse me when they jam their... That grocery cart in the back to back of your heels now reside. <laughs> There's old people who are like, "What the fuck happened to my neighborhood?" Oh, so so that's that. <laughs> uh, one thing we missed last week, man, and I put a link to it on a post on the website on the two side excuses dot com. Was the Jim Beheim tattoo? Oh, I know. We we totally missed that. Yeah, it's not even timely anymore. It the the link I put on there was from ESPN.com. Like from the time we discovered it, all the way through it's made its way through the news cycle. It got picked up by ESPN. You know? Did it really? Yeah. It, at first, it was just like a. It was. Just, I think, a tweet from one of the Syracuse.com writers, because it's a guy from, where is he from? He might be from Baldwinsville. I'm not sure. The dude, He's like a 20-something-year-old dude that had that tattoo put on. And what yeah, was the story behind it? I know the you, suburbs of Syracuse. I know you sent me the picture, but I never read the story. I mean, he's just a real big Syracuse nut. That's it? He didn't lose a bet? It wasn't. No, like he's got other tattoos and he loves Jim Beheim. They did ask Jim Beheim what he thought of that guy's tattoo, and his response was, I think I'd be wearing pants all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is a creepy looking tattoo. I, I mean, it's, I think pictures, it's ridiculously accurate. I think pictures of people's faces as tattoos are, are creepy in general. I, yeah. um, I've got tattoos. I'm a, I'm a tattoo. Um, I'm a fan of tattoos. I, I don't dislike them. Um, but th- in general, I think they're weird when they're of somebody's face, especially if it's in color. And that's yeah. what this guy is. It's like a four-color. Yeah, like they took a photograph of Jim Beheim, like standing there doing a game. You know, the hair's frizzy, the little bit of hair he does have. Yeah, I'm trying to pull it up on my phone. I know you texted it to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's dead on. The guy just loves Syracuse, man. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay, there it is. I got it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think. I mean, what? I was actually thinking about this the other day, um, on whether or not I would get an auto tattoo. Well, I mean, you got a Winnie the Pooh. Your well, tattoo is Winnie the Pooh sitting there holding the um, holding the honey pot with his hand in the honey pot, right? Correct. And um, over the last couple of years, I've gotten it. Um, I've gotten it updated because over time, I got it. It was relatively small for what it was on the place that I have it. It's on my shoulder. My yeah, you know, shoulders are relatively big. It's a, a is it on my shoulder? No, it's on. It's like on the side of my arm. Yeah, I, like I call your bicep. Yeah, I call my shoulder. Yeah, bicep. Right, got it. But um, the word over it was Mister Sanders. Yep, I do remember that. Yeah, but it started to fade because all it was was you know just like a pencil drawing. So in order to fix that up, it had to be covered over and and kind of elaborated. So it's a much bigger. <laughs> It's a much bigger... It now has a scene around it. Um, And it takes up my entire shoulder. So it goes actually up onto my shoulder, almost to like my shoulder blade. Yeah. In order to kind of cover everything that it needed to cover. So uh, I came down on the pro side of I would get an auto tattoo. 
Yeah, you might as well. I, I think w- you should have Otto on your back. Otto as Our Lady of Guadalupe. I like that. My stance on tattoos is this. The only tattoo I ever loved was, was this tattoo. TV's tattoo, Hervé Villachez. <laughs> what are you walking around with your the plane? What are you walking around with your own soundboard tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Pulling it up as we go. Um, That's the key in having the uh, the iPad. I got the phone in one hand, the iPad in the other. All right, perfect. I can quick reference to YouTube. I was like, oh, tattoo. That makes me. That reminds me of tattoo from Fantasy Island. <laughs> <laughs> Hervé <laughs> um, I used to always laugh about the idea of having tattoo as a tattoo and I remember on the man show years ago they had I don't know Jimmy Kimmel or Adam Carolla one of them you know they have a tattoo of tattoo <laughs> <laughs> and one of the little bits they did uh, uh, um, so 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 you fully have filled in the regalia around uh, Winnie the Pooh now yeah, because the though the the story behind the tattoo is the same story that's behind the name Sanders. Yeah. So that um, that book that my mom gave me when I left for college, um, that's where that's what I took the picture of Winnie the Pooh from. Yeah. But the picture is is an illustration, like a book illustration. It's it's got Winnie the Pooh, and he's sitting in the doorway of a tree, and over the tree, you know, over the doorway is Mister Sanders carved into a tree, and he's eating the honey pot. And there's a like, you know, a pretty elaborate scene behind it. Yeah. When I went to get the original tattoo, just um, chilling in the hundred acre wood. I just took. I said, "Pull the bear out and just give me the yeah. bear," but then. Over time, you know, it needed to be retouched. It needed to be updated. I didn't necessarily take good care of it. Um, you know, I've been out in the sun for 20 years. Uh, so they had to kind of recolor it. And in order to do all that, they um, they elaborated the the original scene. So it's much bigger. It it actually looks much better than it did because it was getting old and, and grimy. And yeah, I got a lot less muscle tone than I did back then. I didn't have... A considerable amount of muscle tone at the time, so it starts blobbing all over the place, huh? Yeah, yeah. But luckily, it's on my shoulder, so it it kind of holds form better than than uh, than some other places. But well, I remember my um, my uncle uh, Uncle Donald, who passed away a few years ago. He had uh, he had all these tattoos he got when he was like in the Marines during Korea. And he was like a seventeen. He was like seventeen years old, you know. And you know, he was drinking a lot. For one, he always drank a lot anyway. But also, he was seventeen years old in the Korean War, you know. Right. And he had all these tattoos that he got, and they were, you know, they used to give those just basic blue tattoos. Yeah. You know, with all like the the typical like military style tattoos, all this patriarch shit. And by the time he, I remember, you know. Seeing those tattoos when he's like in his 60s, and those things are just blurry. You couldn't even tell what they were. They were just big blue splotches all up and down his arms. <laughs> and he probably didn't remember getting one of them, I'm sure. That's funny. My grandfather had one. Uh, he was in the Navy, uh, World War II. And yeah. um, it was on his bicep. You know, it was pretty big, took up a lot of space, and it was whatever the traditional. Uh, naval tattoo is once you cross the the equator. I think that yeah, was kind of the yeah. deal. So he had it, and it had a saying like it was had some writing on it, you know, above the tattoo. And um, he was probably in his sixties. He was in his, in his late sixties when he passed away. So probably early sixties, late fifties, maybe yeah. when when I remember asking him. Um, and I was like, hey, I can't read that. What's it say? And he was like, uh, yeah, I don't remember. So. You know, yeah. over time, circumstances that you get them in, um, yeah, you know, it, it's yeah, all. Yeah, was in the Navy, um, and he never got any tattoos, so that was probably a wise decision, but I think sailors get tattoos more than anybody, you know? Yeah, 
Which is you're always gone into different ports and stuff, and they get all fucked up, and they start waving the American flag, and you know, go in there and give me an eagle or some shit, you know. Which is which is strange because um, the last thing I'd want to do walking into a a foreign land, European or especially Asian, is hey, let me go find a place where they can stick some ink and needle. Yeah, they can, they can stick a needle in some ink and jab it in my arm. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I guess people are a lot more naive. Yeah, I guess so. You know, maybe people didn't. Maybe people around the world didn't hate us as much back then. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you could get more quality tattoo work. Uh, uh, what else you got? Um, whew, not really much. Uh, I guess there's a couple of things that caught my fancy earlier this week. I did know the numbers were high for us, but NFL.com, and I did put this link on my post on the uh, web, on Two Sorry Excuses too. It was uh, NFL.com had the top ten colleges with Pro Football Hall of Famers with NFL Hall of Famers in it, um, not Pro Football Hall of Famers. Okay. Uh, and even though it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but you know the ones that were in the NFL, and Syracuse was. Uh, Tied, I think, with Alabama for maybe sixth place it might have been with seven Hall of Famers. So uh, that's a, you know, amongst them was Al Davis, of course, Jim Brown, you know, uh, who's in there? Art Monk, Jim Ringo, you know, they Larry Zonka, and um, a couple others. I can't name them all off the top of my head right now. So I found that interesting, but... Uh, I, I'm sure eventually Marvin Harrison will get up there, even though he didn't make it this year. I guess people are still hung up on the fact that he may or may not have killed that guy in Philadelphia. <laughs> so. um, did you get Al Davis? Yeah, I did mention Al Davis. You can go. I'm not looking at it right now, but I know I missed a couple. You know, um, uh, John Mackey. Yep, John Mackey, the tight end. Who else is on there? Um, you got Brown, you got Zonka, you got Davis, you got Floyd Little, you got Mackey, Floyd Little, yes. you got Monk. I don't know. Art Monk, yep. Uh, who this other white dude is? Jim Ringo. Oh, that's Ringo. Okay. Yeah, he was a lineman. He was. Who did he play? He might play. Did he play? Look it up. Did he play for the Packers or the Raiders? Um, I don't know. I just he know he's a badass. What's uh, that? For the Packers. All right. I know he was a badass in his day. You know, he was a, uh, a Vince Lombardi guy. From New Jersey. Uh, oh, there you go. Uh, so that was a nice little fact up there. I think USC was number one with 11 guys. Yeah, that's a fun find. Yeah. And, um, I mean, hopefully Marvin Harrison makes it in soon. Keep us, uh, keep us ahead of the curve, you know? Yeah, because we could have a drought for a long time. Because <laughs> I don't think McNabb's gonna make it. No, yet. no, not at all. And and well, Dwight Freeney will make it. Yeah. You so there you go. There's two. You know, so Harrison and Dwight Freeney eventually should make it. Uh, and here's another thing I I found amusing today. So there's been in the last year it started. I started reading news articles about attendance being down at college football games. Um, and in the past few days, they've been writing articles in the local paper about uh, LSU. You know, they, they they expanded their stadium just for this year. They, they finally are going to be over 100,000 seats. They have 102,000-something now. Well, uh, the big news last week was that only one game is sold out the Alabama game and people are debating why these games aren't selling out, you know, what's the problem. And I, I mean, I know last year it was an issue or an article because a lot of fans are choosing to stay home now and watch on TV than going to the game. Right. And then when they play like a school like LSU plays these teams like North Texas and Eastern Illinois and whoever, New Mexico state, people aren't dying to come to those games and they just won't go to them. You know, uh, well, the only game that's sold out this year is the Alabama game, like I told you. 
and they've expanded the stadium to 102,000 whatever seats. Well, even schools like Ole Miss and Mississippi State, which are schools that are both within six hours, five hours driving distance to Baton Rouge. Right. And also they're, they're SEC rivals, you know, very close. to, And there's loads of alumni from here, too. They didn't even sell all their allotments. So they had those schools returned their extra tickets, too. Every school, every school that they're playing outside Alabama returned extra tickets to LSU. Today I get an email, you know, Living Social, you know, like the Groupon thing. Yeah. Living Social. It was Living Social, tickets to one game at, at Tiger Stadium. You know, and they're trying to sell t- these tickets for like 15 bucks, I think, which were face value 30. It just kills me because there used to be a time where if there was LSU tickets, LSU didn't have to resort to, to Groupon. Or living social as it is, right? You know, it's just um, it's just ridiculous, uh, especially in uh, the idea that they have to resort to this, especially on the heels of them expanding the stadium to a hundred, two thousand people. I mean, what do they think they're going to have in the future? You know, who's they better? Who's going to be showing up? Who is going to be showing up to watch them play? Freaking little sisters of the poor. Not even Little Sister Report, Old Miss and Mississippi State, you know? It it blows me away. So, um, I don't know. I think all these tickets for the teams from elsewhere are all going to be in the upper decks, too. Why the fuck would you come down to go sit in the upper deck when you can sit there and watch that game on TV? Yeah, no doubt. So, so that's something that I found curious today. Even LSU uh, resort to living social deals on their tickets. Uh, it, it won't be long before there's a living social deal for the Syracuse Notre Dame game. There's uh, oh, there's sure. still what? tons of tickets. Didn't they do it for the Penn State game? Um, they might have. Yeah, I think they did. I think they might have done it for the USC game when we were there. Because you can still get fifty yard yeah. line tickets, and and you can still get lower con the cheaper lower concourse yeah. tickets. Um, yeah, there's tons of tickets still available. But we're Syracuse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's Notre Dame, which is kind of surprising, I guess, a little bit. But, um, I mean, this is the football-mad SEC, and people are not people are deciding to stay home instead of going to the games, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... I, I was actually looking up... Um, I was actually looking up Florida State tickets the other day. Um, now, they don't you let you... Buy, like, you got to buy, like, tickets to three games to get the Florida State tickets, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, you got to yeah, buy. I got the email for the football pre-sale just yesterday. I think it was, and I think the whole package might be two fifty. Yeah, which would make sense. Um, you know, you figure that Florida game is half of that, one twenty-five or, or something along those lines, and then you know whatever for the other two games. Um, you know, if I was in a different spot and I had a little cash, and you know, I could kind of afford to do it both financially and mentally uh I, i'd consider that i'd consider going up to see that i think that would be what the florida state the game? florida state game yeah you i know? would too if it was if it was more feasible for me yeah, yeah. but i'll watch it on tv like everybody else yeah and that's the thing uh people you know a lot of people don't want to spend the money to go see the game and then see their team get blown out or see a blowout in general, even if it's their team doing the blowing out. Right. You know, like I can sit at home and drink friggin' free beer and, you know, use a decent bathroom, you know, <laughs> eat decent food. Yeah. Right. Right. Run out at halftime. I mean, I know the NFL's been freaked. That's why the NFL's doing all the red zone stuff at the games because they're, they're trying to compete with the, with, how good TV is now. Yeah. Yeah, like, you sit at home and you watch on an HD TV and it's, it's friggin' awesome. Why, why would you want to go to the state? It's yeah. a bitch when I go to Saints games. It's a bitch. You know, I go because I don't like to turn tickets down because the day you turn tickets down is the last time you ever get offered them. Right. But it is a bitch. You got to wake up way earlier in the morning than I normally wake up on a Sunday. You know, if it's a noon start. Right. You know? Since all the games start at the same time here, it's noon, where it would be one where you are. But you got to get up, and then you got – and here it's close. It would be more of a pain in the ass if I was somewhere like up uh, – if I was like a Giants or Jets fan. Yeah. 
it's a real bitch getting out to 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 friggin' Meadowlands. It seems to me. Yeah, I mean it's a forty forty five mile drive, but I mean on game day that's a two hour trip. Yeah, that's like Foxborough. That's a real pain in the ass. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, because not only is it forty five miles from Boston, it there's one road in and one road out. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, getting to a Saints game is relatively easy, and it's still a pain in the ass. Right. So, uh, I don't know, man. Who knows? Who knows where things are gone? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hit and run on the old I ten. What what highway was it? Yeah, it was I ten. Was I ten? I ten East. Friggin' and they're gonna yell at me in a friggin' brand new Infinity, which probably was uninsured. <laughs> he got to run away. I don't know. What can um, you do? What can you my do? My mom's like, oh, well, maybe they had a gun. I was like, mom, if anything, they might have thought I had a gun. <laughs> and since I think a lot of people look at that now and think, oh, there's a, there's a, a white middle-aged guy. He's probably packing heat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a good chance you are if you're a white middle-aged guy. Uh, true. True. <laughs> Especially down these parts. <laughs> you know, people love their guns. But but I'm not the type... I guess maybe if anybody's looking to perpetrate a crime on me, they can come and do it because I'm not a gun guy. <laughs> so if they're listening and they want to come fuck with me, they can fuck with me because I'm not going to be able to defend myself other than whatever I can do with a Louisville Slugger or an Easton. And if they need to find you, you'll be driving around the busted-ass Corolla. Yeah, Camry. The busted-ass Camry. It doesn't look busted. Uh, that's the good thing, at least. All right. Like, if you looked at it, you wouldn't be like, oh, man, what the fuck happened to your car? You know, I'd have to show it to you. Like, right. that's what I'm saying. The bumper isn't caved or anything. So, I don't know. It's just a shitty day. What all, because, all because you didn't bring your lunch. Yep. Well, it really is, man. Yeah, that, that set that whole, whole timing of everything. That set the whole thing in motion. I I would have gone to Tantrapahoa probably thirty minutes earlier. You know. Yeah. I would I wouldn't have been I it would have been about three forty when I was at that stretch of the interstate as opposed to four ten or four fifteen, which meant the traffic wouldn't have been as egregious. So oh well, that's that's life. Yeah. That's life. Yep. And on that note, says. yes, on that note, with apologies to Kirk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. Night for you.